is it really smart to shoot that close? Yeah, you know, the explosive. <laughs> it's all right though. They're like stormtroopers, you know. They're, I'm surprised they got the pirates at all. Welcome to the What's Our Verdict TV podcast, where we fashion ourselves television judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-hosts, Ian Anderson. Some shit. And Jay Vinson. Hey, guys. Do you ever find yourself wondering if you should take the time to set your TiVo to record a show each week, spend the money on that streaming service, or invest hours into binging that show that all of your friends are telling you to watch? Well, we're here to answer that question for you. We put TV shows on trial, discuss facts, pass judgment, and let you know our verdict. To check out our other episodes, if you're joining us on Facebook or Instagram, you can head to our website using the link in our bio. Uh, if you're on YouTube, the link's in the description down below. And you can also listen to us wherever fine podcasts are found, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Ghana, just to name a few. And as always, completely free to listen or check us out. Today, we're reviewing Chapter 15 of The Mandalorian, The Believer. The night is dark and full of spoilers, guys. So if you haven't watched this episode, you might want to tune out, go watch the episode. Then you can catch us on the review, on the follow-up on Facebook or on YouTube as well, and the, or on the podcast, which will be available on Tuesday, wherever you listen to those. So to start the episode, you know, we do head to a prison world to pick up Miggs Mayfield played by Bill Burr. I was really excited to get see him back, guys. What did you guys think? Yeah, I love Bill Burr. I was, <laughs> I was really, really hoping that they would like roll him into the crew by the end of it. Uh, Agreed. For real, man. I uh, I wondered if like, I was like, man, is this just going to be like bringing somebody back because he's a friend of John Favreau or something like that? But it was the perfect role for Bill Burr to play to get in, a little bit into spoilers. But just like at one point I had a note, I was like, is Bill Burr a Nazi? And uh, you know what I mean? It kind of played into what happened in the episode. And I was like, holy shit, that was great for Bill Burr. I love that fucking episode. Well, and I was a little worried at first that when I heard he was, when they mentioned him in the last episode and that they were going to go get him, I was like, ah, oh, they just bringing him back because he was popular in season one, which I think there might have been some of that, right? But to be honest, like they made him a very fleshed out, interesting part of this episode and a character that I even want to, after this episode, see more of, which I was yeah. thoroughly shocked by. I just did not expect to, I thought it was going to be typical Bill Burr, like he was in the first season, fun to watch, added a lot of humor to the episode. But beyond that, he was just a character that was there to be part of, to move the, the episode forward. But in this one, like he added a lot of substance to the show, especially the, you know, the scene at the end with the, the Imperial Valen, he was, that guy was great, man. And that whole yeah it was awesome i loved what they did with his character oh, i agree yeah you really i was on the same boat where i thought it was going to be like another bit part bring some humor in and then toss him right back in jail i actually <laughs> thought they were going to break him out but i like that uh, me too yeah in the beginning shows up is like come with me um you can either do this or keep working here so take your pick that's why they made her a marshal obviously <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it fit, right? I mean, it was convenient that she, but I mean, it works because it also works with what she does. But yes, it was very convenient that she was able to then go acquire this prisoner. But even more so, I mean, if we want to continue with her character driven piece too, like, and I think, let me back up before we get too much into that, because I wanted to talk about one of the things with, with all of the Mandalorian that I've noticed through season one, season two, is there's not a lot of character development besides 
obviously the Mandalorian and Grogu. And even Grogu, mm-hmm. how much character development can you honestly do with a kid that can't speak yet? So, you know, the fact that, that Ahsoka Tano does more character development for this character than any t- other episode period is, is tough. But the Mandalorian, you've seen character development through him throughout, obviously, because it's his show. You saw a little bit with IG-11 because of the changes that happened with him. But this whole episode is like a massive amount of character development for three characters specifically that one the main character needed some more right which i think Mm -hmm. it was a great time to show but again with with mayfield and then again with cara dune you haven't seen too much beyond the surface level of their characters but you saw a lot with both of them cara dune at the end of the episode heavy spoilers here but when she decides and she gets to make that choice of letting mayfield go that's a big uh, right yeah, the old uh, looking at the other guy being like, hey, where'd he go? Yeah, and he was like, I, one of my notes was like, stop asking fucking questions and just <laughs> run away. Like the first thing she's the first time she says that I'm gone. Which I yeah. do have a question about that, because when they start the episode, they say, you know, we got to go to Morak and they say, well, nothing's on Morak. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, well, there's this mining base. And then you see all these like people that live there. So I was kind of curious if you got free from prison and the main <laughs> way of getting off the planet is an imperial mining base that you blew up like what's he gonna do <laughs> in my very second note when that happened was all right that's nice uh but maybe take me to another planet please <laughs> like, yeah. what the fuck am i gonna do here guys well Go i think hang out with all the pirates he killed yeah. I- I don't know. He's like he's like public enemy number one right now, man. From a certain perspective, though, most of the the Imperials are probably going to be on that base mm-hmm. and a planet that no one thinks anything of. Like when the first thing was, there's nothing there. It's a great place to hide out, right? If you have to hide from both sides, the the Imper- Imperial remnants and the New Republic, it's a great place to be because obviously <laughs> nobody's going to go there, right? You know what? He uh, with his growth in this in this episode, he may just go on now that he understands understands how how uh propaganda and shit like that works which played perfectly into the fucking episode he may go on and just become a leader like a king to other <laughs> tribes that live in that planet you know what i mean just fuck with their heads like he got fucked with and he just gets everything i love that and i thought that too i was like he could go in and lead these people but i think <laughs> one of the best things about him in this is when he's talking to valen hess and we learn the reason that he left the empire and the fact that when anyone talks to him about his imperial time even in this episode when mandalorian was like or she or kara was like but you used to have imperial time and he's like, oh, that was a long time ago. But you can tell that he just hates being connected to the Empire. And we find out that that has to do with Project Cinder, that this whole, which I don't know, they didn't explain it, but that it was a uh, Project Cinder was. They said like Vern, it was on Vern comp. Yeah, it was. Sounded yes, very German. It was a multiple planets, actually, right? So, well, in the Imperial. Imperials have always been kind of leaned towards, even in the original trilogy, like a, a very Nazi forwards. Oh my god! Right? Like absolutely, yeah. And even more so with the 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 First Order when they moved into the the final trilogy, being even leaning harder into that visual display. But the you know Project what's Cinder insane though? Galaxy wide. What's up, man? Is that I've always sorry. I I just had to, I just kind of blew my mind. But I've always wanted to see from a stormtrooper's point of view. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I've always wanted to know like. Like, how does it work? And I thought they did that a little bit with John Boyega, but that kind of was like one out of a million. Mm-hmm. But now I fucking got it, dude. That's a, the Mandalorian is hitting on all cylinders, man. This show is killing it right now. Yeah. Well, and especially in a, in a thing like Project Cinder. So what that was is it was kind of a scorched earth last ditch 
order from Palpatine. So he, in the comics, they show when he was killed, these droids with his likeness, they had like a facial thing that they could put a computer generated image of a face on. And it was his face would go to these commanders and they would, he, they were told to, it was like destroy these planets at all costs. So there was a handful of them. Naboo was one of them. I'm assuming now that we learned about the planet that he was on, uh, that Mayfield was part of with this Valen Hess guy, that that was one of them. That were a series of planets that they were just supposed to destroy because he was dead to make it. So Varenkampf was one of those planets. Yeah. And so that was Project Cinder in the comics. So that was, it was a cool reference for nerds like me who've read that stuff. I was like, oh God, I remember that project. That was brutal. But then I loved the flip side of seeing someone like Mayfield go, what was the point of that? There was no point in this order for Project Cinder. And the obviously this place where they're mining this explosive material was to continue on with Project Cinder, even down to the point that Valen Hess was saying, the New Republic is in shambles and we're going to make it worse so that people come back and lean towards us and want us back because of that. You know, they want order. They don't want freedom. So it's a very interesting concept and in how they played that out with, you know, things that happened in the comics previous to this, just that they, they, they've continued to do through this show. But it was a really cool way to make you really like Mayfield and see that while he's an asshole, he's still really a good guy too, right? And that whole conversation where they have the hero, villain, we're all the same. And it's just a matter of what line do you do you draw, right? So that guy's end plan, the, we'll get to it, actually. We should actually go through the episode. But I just want to know that the main top empire guy that we talked to in this episode, his main plan was to, to destroy the first order to get the empire better. I thought he was saying that a first order was a continuation of the empire. He's like, we survive. Well, the first order becomes that, right? The first order is just okay. kind of in, because what happens is, is the, the emperor at his death sends in the, the books, the Aftermath series, there's a trilogy of books called Aftermath that basically shows a series of imperial leaders that are sent to the outer past the outer rim into the unknown regions of space to build the new the first order there are imperial remnants which is what we're seeing in this show and his Mm -hmm. idea what he was saying is is they're going to come back to the empire and want order because that's what we provide versus freedom and the new republic is what they're trying to undermine so that's where the the x-wings are fighting for the new republic cara dune is now a marshal of the new republic that's who the main governing body was in in the most recent trilogy the sequel trilogy so that's who they're trying to undermine and that's they're doing that by continually destroying planets so people don't feel safe with the new republic and they want to go back to the empire which provided order quote unquote from this guy so to get to the beginning episode did you guys notice boba fett's armor was it painted black it was fucking awesome yeah Yeah, they gave it the nice dark green paint job that looked like his old one only better right because even in the like empire strikes back and in return of the jedi it was scuffed that you could tell it had been through battle this thing was clean like Mm -hmm. it was brand new paint job looked sexy even the dent was painted which is still there and i love that they left the dent in the helmet but even it was that dark green so yeah boba fett looks sharp in this episode i liked it i thought it was weird that he still has like his robe type Mm -hmm. stuff on underneath i thought he'd you know go get some like leather pants or something i don't know (laughs) i and he may eventually for me it was a matter of timing like they because i think they just picked right up it's easy to paint on a ship while you're traveling to a planet whereas it's not as easy to probably find new clothes and let especially ones that fit him obviously he's not a lean fighting <laughs> machine he used to be which i liked a lot of people are bitching about that like making fun of the character and going man he's all fat i'm like dude he's old like what do you want yeah. that's what happens like most of us get a little chunkier as the older we get which means
means I'm screwed, but it's just what happens, right? Anybody, like, I'm not going to think that I'm going to be able to wear my 21-year-old pants when I'm fucking 40, man. It's just not happening. (laughs) Yeah. So are they saying that because the armor looks small? Because I'll be honest, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, especially the last episode. Okay. So when he was fighting and he first put the the armor back on, like, you could tell it didn't fit exactly the way it did in the originals. It was kind of like a little bit of a joke, almost. Yeah, yeah, for me, like, I looked at it and I was like, it's realistic. That's 20 years ago right like yeah i mean 20 30 years ago of course it's not going to fit the way that it did back then but i guess everybody you know how internet trolls are there's a certain group of people that are like Dude, That's they're, they're online right now bitching about why does mandalorian have a mustache oh i know right and yeah. i wrote in my notes i was like why why it's because it's pedro pascal motherfucker that's why <laughs> and then he did the voice and when he took the fucking helmet i was like holy shit he does do the voice so well yeah oh my god Here's so another part that I really enjoyed, which I didn't think I was going to, was this whole battle in this. So they take over two things. They take they steal this big transport that's carrying these explosive materials, right? From the mining facility back from the mine to the mining facility where they're gonna process this stuff. Which was a great trick, by the way. Like I was like, oh shit, the stormtrooper trick for the for the for the mask. Yeah, like, devil man. I didn't think we we're gonna have to see his face, but I know trolls kind of was- ruined it with that whole mustache bit. Yeah. Well, it was kind of cool because, you know, he found a way around to not show his face. But then earlier in the first season, he talked about there was mention of not taking off your armor at all, which is one of those things where I was like, wow, he took his armor off, which I really like the transition and the movement to where we start to see what's important, which we're going to talk about here more when we get to the end of the episode, because that's the big major reveal. But I enjoyed this sequence, this this whole battle sequence where Mayfield's driving and you're driving this very volatile substance and they're trying the you know, the pirates on this planet are trying to blow it up and they've already successfully that's all they want to do yeah i really enjoyed that fight scene where every time he would get rid of one ship of pirates another one or two would be right behind the, the transport i i loved that one he was fucked at the end man he had his fist up at the end and i was like mando yeah, i've never been so excited to see tie fighters right right <laughs> Though I did think as the TIE fighters are shooting down the sides of this thing, I'm like, is it really smart to shoot that close? Yeah. You know, the explosive. <laughs> it's all right, though. Yeah. They're like stormtroopers, you know? They're, I'm surprised they got the pirates at all. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and I did look like I've never rooted for a group of stormtroopers coming out of a building either, but here they came, came to protect this thing, and then they're all saluting and clapping them. I was like, this is so interesting to see these bad guys, that these villains that you're actually looking at going, this it's cool, right? So it really fit to me this episode where, again, Mayfield talks about heroes, villains. We're all just people, and we've, we've picked one side of a line to be on, right? Yeah, yeah. and they've kind of done that through throughout the season like with the sand people mm-hmm. they've done mm-hmm. a lot more to show both sides of a coin instead of like so-and-so is a villain and always a villain yeah. really yeah. i just uh recently watched episode one and mm-hmm. i was like shit the sand people are just shooting at the fucking race for no reason <laughs> and i was like man they really don't give much of a story at all and then here we are understanding what their motives are and all that shit yeah which is one of my favorite sequences in episode one by the way is the sand people shooting at the pod racers 
that shit's hilarious. <laughs> I had a good time with that. So I did enjoy this is where this this episode really gets really interesting to me beyond just typical Mandalorian episode. Everything up to this point is very similar to most Mandalorian episodes, right? But you get to this we get to this facility where they've dropped off this this material for mining and now they need to go in with Mayfield's code cylinder into this thing where that's in this basically a mess hall and in there we realize that Mayfield can't go in because his command, old commanding officer, Valen Hess, is there and he freaks out because he might recognize him. And the Mandalorian makes the choice to go in with his full outfit, but there's a facial scanner and he tries to get away with it by leaving the mask off, but he ends up having to take off his helmet. I loved this part. I know a lot of people are losing their minds about it, but I think it's great that it shows, again, we go back to that character development. It shows what's really important to this guy now. It used to be being a Mandalorian and his way of life that he was pulled into and chose and he was very proud of that and now it's Grogu like this kid and getting him back and protecting him is his priority to the point that he's willingly in a room full of people takes his helmet off and everyone can see his face I loved this part what did you guys think? And it's been building ever since they met Bo-Katan. Like you, I feel like you kind of knew that that was coming. Yeah. Uh, and it, I'm glad that they gave it a lot of purpose in this episode. And I mean, I, it was kind of like that. Oh, no, he took off his mask. But at the same time, like, well, you were kind of brought up by this cultish Death Watch people. So <laughs> it's probably good that you're kind of distancing yourself a little bit. But it. It turned out good. The only thing I, my little nitpicky critique was if you walked in and left your helmet on to scan this thing, wouldn't everybody be like, dude, that's not how it works. <laughs> what are you, why are you doing this? Like, you know, it doesn't scan with your helmet on. So yeah, I thought actually, I thought at the end when Moth Gideon was about to see the video, I thought it was going to be him scanning the thing incorrectly mm-hmm. with his mask on. And they're like, Ma- and like looking for Moth Gideon. But mm-hmm. then they did such a perfect spin on Moth Gideon's own words to show you exactly what Mando is caring about now, which is fucking Gorgon, which is fucking Baby Yoda. Um, um, which I love that fucking ending so much. But yeah, dude, when he took off his mask, like, I honestly, I'm so the episode built up to it and it built up to all of the stuff that we're talking about so well, because even when they were in the car and Bill Burr was kind of like talking about, like, I do what you do, you know, like it was like he was very much in that mindset. And that's where I wrote the note. Like, is he a fucking Nazi? Like, what's going on here? And I was like, oh, shit, maybe that might be what the stormtroopers are like thinking. Like when, you know, when you said earlier, it kind of blew my mind. I was like, oh, shit, we do get to see that. And it reflected Mando so much because I also wrote, oh, shit, Mando's cult. I was like, so they're both trying to, like, figure it out like what's better and so you get to see bill burr kind of move forward in a great way and pedro pascal did the same fucking thing man and he's great he's a brilliant without the fucking helmet and it's so funny that you have such a great actor who's fucking playing the shit underneath the helmet but he makes it work man um i loved it i i want to watch it again just to see because i was taking notes and i want to see how he acted the whole scene Mm because i also like how they made him like deaf almost you know what i mean but Brown eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brown eyes. I'll tell you what, though, man. The fucking Mandalorian call, I am down. I will fucking drink <laughs> that polar ice, which is, uh, that's Jim Jones, dude. Like, everybody calls it Kool-Aid. It was polar ice. It's the shit that they give you in prison. 
but you know I, I don't know man i mean i kind of like i liked it when he was able to get his helmet back uh even the stormtrooper helmet you know like he killed everybody in the room it was like okay nobody has seen your face now mm-hmm. and so it's like i i even wrote i was like it's kind of like a hijab you know what i mean like i i recently knew somebody who took it off for the first time in her life and i was like that's fucking crazy like you know what i get it i took a big step forward you maybe didn't take too much of a step forward but you're coming there but then at the end of the episode we see oh he's all the way he's going for fucking baby yoda one thing for me is and i like that he took the helmet off because it showed where his his state is right he's figuring out that what's important to him is is grogu and this kid and 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 then the people around him i think it expands beyond now just the kid i think it's starting to but i do like the fact that one he's seen bo katan who you can't argue as a mandalorian he's now also seen uh boba fett who in at least his father who we also have seen take his helmet off in social situations was a foundling as was i mean technically boba fett is a mandalorian through birth and obviously he wasn't born he was created in, as a as a clone but still he's seeing that you know you don't take it off and, except in certain situations and i, I what i don't want to see is he just gives up the helmet right and yeah. only wears it when he's in battle i want that still to be something that's important to him moving forward he only removes it in the situations where it's necessary and i mean extremely necessary like it was in this episode he had to or they were never going to get what they needed in order to move forward and and find the kid so i was really impressed with that i also loved his acting speaking of that jay is when they're sitting there and and mayfield and valen hess are kind of going at it verbally and mayfield's laying into this dude about how shitty this this operation that they were part of was and you could see and i think another reason they had to take his helmet off is you wouldn't have been able to see the panic in his eyes as he's looking at at Mayfield going, will you shut up? Will you stop instigating this guy? We need to leave and you're pissing this dude off. And then his face when he when Mayfield finally loses it and shoots Valen Hess, I was like, one, this is very reminiscent of a Han Greedo situation. Like I loved that he pulled out and just shot this dude. And then two, like his face and then he was like, well, I guess it's on. So he started, everybody, they just start gun and down everyone in the room. I thought that was so cool. Such a great way to to really solidify the fact that I just love Mayfield. Like he's one of become now through this episode one of my favorite characters, and I hope they keep bringing him back because he's just such a cool character with a lot of depth, which I was surprised. And Bill Burr, Bill Burr plays him perfectly for such a crazy stand-up comedian, outlandish character. You know, when he plays in other movies, like he's always out there. He there was a depth to him and he played that very well. Like I was very impressed by Bill Burr as an actor in this episode. Yeah, me too. Kind of stole the show during the Van Hess um, little exchange because he was it was interesting to see how much emotion he showed and like you could see him building up and building up and building up to the point where he just cracked wasn't the 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 dude told him the same words that i think he told mando earlier was like it's order it's what everybody wants and he was like Mm -hmm. (laughs) which the episode did two great plays or two great plays on words well and speaking of that uh, to give nod to the guy that played valen hess the the actor it was richard brask i think or richard brass something like that anyway he he did a really good job of playing this like flippant and yet menacing character as well even when he comes up and he's like talking to to mando when he's just after he scanned and they before he tells him to go get a drink and mayfield comes in and saves him a little bit with the whole he's you know hard of hearing because of this and call him brown eyes or whatnot that character is like you he was so easy to hate so that actor did a very good job of like you felt with maybe will you just shoot this guy already because he's an asshole like i, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed how he played it but 
I feel like they took him from. I've seen him do that elsewhere. I feel like I've seen him be like in Inglorious Bastards or somewhere. He but, was in uh, Game of Thrones. As oh a, yeah, definitely would be something. That's the only thing that I noticed him. I think he was one of the like he was a Night's Watch that was an asshole. I don't I remember who he was, but he was somebody in in Game of Thrones. But also, uh, Pedro Pascal earned his stripes today. I mean, uh, with this episode as well. Like whatever problems they're having on set, I don't want them to keep having them because yeah, Pedro Pascal doing the fucking role, man. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of which, Jay, you already mentioned the very final scene, which I think is such a great setup. It's the perfect setup for next week's episode, right? Because we know that that confrontation has to at least in some way happen next week at least maybe the start and they leave you on a big cliffhanger which i really hope they don't do um they haven't done that up to this point but i really feel like next week's crazy and the setup's perfect when you we cut to moff gideon and and he's standing there and there's, there's a message you have to see you can see the trepidation in his you know his comms officer and the other guy walking up to him to tell him about this message like they're shitting themselves having to go um there's a message and you need to see it <laughs> so like i was really appreciative of, of this whole end scene and then like you say you get this shoulder up image of Mandalorian he's back in his armor and he's telling Moff Gideon I'm coming because you have something that I and he, he regurgitates the what Moff Gideon says to them at the on uh, the planet or in season one at the end the last second to last episode I think you have something I want it means more to me than you and I love that he finally shows when he says that last line you have no idea how much it means mm -hmm. it means so much you have no not, and I was like in this episode prove that the whole structure of this episode shows that those words have meaning. I don't think that that end scene where he's saying all that to Moff Gideon and that message would have met nearly as much had he not taken off his armor and then compromised even further and taken off his mask. And then on top of it, he lets Mayfield live and go and actually is a respects Mayfield knowing that this man has seen his face. So he's let so much happen that last season would never have happened because of this kid. So you know, it's that whole the whole emotion behind it was so good and it made it so much more believable having gone through this episode. I'm glad you mentioned that that was like that the message at the end pulled out of the message that Moff Gideon said, because at first I was like, why not just like threaten this guy? Like, what is this? I mm -hmm. want him more than you want him. And I was kind of like, uh, was, OK, yeah, all Moth works. Yep, those his own words. That that was literally uh -huh. word for word what Moff Gideon said to him outside of the bar on the the bounty hunter planet when yeah. they were stuck like, in there yeah mm -hmm. otherwise yeah, otherwise it would have been like a very long eloquent like yeah. <laughs> like remember v for vendetta when the guy meets the girl and he's like v yeah. this be that <laughs> it's yep. like very much like that but no it was it was definitely and i loved it too and it definitely if you noticed uh i had so many notes where they were like his kid or mm -hmm. you know i mean he lost they lost his kid he's just trying to get his kid they definitely built built up to that so that by the end of it when he's like it means so much more to me than you know you're mm -hmm. like oh fuck man who's coming for you he's got the best car spear and by the way rename the fucking ship because i man that ship's badass and when it dropped that bomb and killed those fucking things i was oh. like i was like but i wrote slave fighter and i was like you know what this isn't right just change the name of the <laughs> like a sl or slave fight or something like that i was like just change the name of the ship change the name of the ship please yeah, i don't know why it was i don't remember i know they explained why it was called slave one but i don't remember but well and i think it might have been because i do remember actually because Django, whose ship it was originally was sold into slavery after the Civil War, the Mandalorian Civil War. When he lost, he was sold into slavery. So when he acquired the ship, he named it Slave One. Oh, okay. So that's why it's that's why the name. But I'm glad you brought that up, Jay. I forgot that he dropped that those bombs. So those bombs they used them in Episode Two um, as so the 
about to watch episode two. Oh, shit. Yeah, you, you'll see it. So Obi-Wan is chasing. There, There's this whole chase scene between Obi-Wan and Jango and Boba where they're chasing, where he's chasing them and they drop those seismic bombs that, and it's in the middle of like a, an asteroid field. So they're in the middle of an, and the visuals of it are stunning. So it drops these bombs and it, it just vaporizes these asteroids that they're chasing through. So when he oh. opened up the bottom of that ship as they're coming up and the TIE fighters are behind him and I saw it, like I audibly cheered because I knew what was coming. So that whole bang and the sound is just amazing. Oh yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot all about that because that and was they all just awesome. Cool as fuck. Like Boba, he gets his fucking moment. You know, he was only yeah. on the episode for like two seconds in the beginning and the end and in the end he nailed it. The other part I really enjoyed just to close yeah, this beginning, whole thing. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. Yeah, they, just the the loop is I love the Mayfield because he's a sharpshooter. He was a sharpshooter in the Empire. Getting to watch him use Boba's rifle to shoot that forever away the material and then blows up the whole base. And then you get the whole Fennec Shan. She's like, nice shot. <laughs> so, I really, so I liked that whole thing. And he's like, yeah. And just walks away. From he, was, it. he was like, yeah, he was like, I, now I can sleep at night or something yeah. like that. Right? Yeah. Do yep. Got to do what you got to do to sleep at night. And something that kind of surprised me that I didn't realize watching the episode because I was so involved in it. Because mm-hmm. I think this is the first episode where we don't see Grogu at all. Yeah. I was just thinking, yeah. Yep. That's a good point, Ian. It is. So that was kind of, I was I was surprised that I wasn't disappointed, if that makes sense. Like there was so much like, yeah. going on, but missing him didn't detract from it. So I, I was kind of surprised. Yeah, I didn't even really think about that until you said it, but I didn't even notice, like it didn't feel uncomfortable to me. Like I was okay with the way that the episode played out, even now realizing that he wasn't in the episode at all, mm-hmm. so, which is a it's, first. It was called The Mandalorian, guys. It's not it's called true. The Grogu. <laughs> Speaking of that, because when I think about He's it, technically, people right now, by the way, no, no, exactly. Technically, Grogu is working towards becoming a, a Mandalorian in a way, right? So the next thing that I have to think about, and I wanted to ask this question right on, but I think it's a great way to end the conversation. Every episode, when you look at the title, it's had a very specific thing that it was about. So even last episode was Tra- yeah, the tragedy. It was about the whole him getting taken by the Imperial Remnant. You have the the Jedi you have the sharpshooter, you have the gunslinger. All of these make sense about who it's at. This one's called The Believer. Who do you guys think that this title is about? I have a theory, but I want to hear kind of what you guys thought. I was actually going to ask you this. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. What are you going to say, Jay? I think, I think Mando. Absolutely Mando? about Mando. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It has to be. He's a believer still, man. He still has the mask on, even though he just got out of a situation where you just realize you don't need it anymore, but he's going to do it. I like that. So I think this one's actually multiple people. I think for the first time, you know, this isn't just about one person or one thing, the title. I think when I think about one, I think you're right, Jay. I think for me, it's very directly related to Din Djarin, right? The Mandalorian, he's learning that he can still believe in who he is and he can still believe in, you know, be a Mandalorian without maybe the stringent rules that are involved. We see that he's believed that those that he's that this kid's more important than his religion or his, you know, who he is. And then I also think it has to do with some of the people around him, specifically Mayfield. Mayfield, we see as a believer in people being able to live their lives. And while he was part of the empire and he fought in some of these wars, there's a line. He believes that there's a line and you have to follow that line and do what you need to do to be able to sleep at night, right? Mm -hmm. So 
I think it leans into Mayfield quite a bit. But then I also believe on the flip side, you start to see everyone around him is believing in him. You know, you had Fennec Shand, who in the first season, he practically, well, he was part of her getting shot, right? It wasn't, yeah. he didn't shoot her. He was going to keep her alive. But you also see Boba Fett, who in theory, they could have been an enemy, right? If he hadn't, things hadn't panned out the right way, but they're all following him and they're all being part of his crew willingly. Cara Dune, they all believe in what he's doing. So I think that's starting to see, for me, that was the threefold piece of this is specifically Mandalorian and Mayfield. But I think you're starting to see the people around him believe in him as a leader and as a person that's that's running this crew, basically. So I, that was my philosophy on that whole thing. But no, you're right. Actually, it's a general good all around title. I mean, for Cara, though, Cara Dune, I do want to say is that uh, her like instant faith in this system that she was a rebel or whatever, just like an outsider of is kind of a funny arc to give her for, I mean, pretty much just this episode. Like she went from an outsider, like doing shit that I would imagine would be illegal Mm -hmm. to being a marshal and a day later, she's like, I don't break the fucking rules. (laughs) It was like, I just stole some shit with you last week. We used your magic, get out of it. You know, like, but it was great for the episode. It was great for the character. Like I liked it about her. So yeah, all around. All around good. Yeah, I like that she did the same thing that Mando did this one. She's like, oh, they got the kid? Okay, I'll break the rules. <laughs> and I did enjoy that Mayfield was like, they stole his kid. And he's like, the little green guy? Like he was all- <laughs> 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 yeah, the little green guy. That shit was funny. Yeah, Bill Burr, man, that was great. All around, I think it was a great episode, guys. I think it was a lot of fun. I'm stoked and yet very sad for next week being the last yeah. episode. And they have announced the next release date will be in 2021, near the end of 2021, December-ish. So it'll run into, I think it was near Christmas time is what they announced. And so it'll run into next year, 2022, but we won't see the Mandalorian again until December of next year, which got a whole year. What am I going to do? Oh, wait, that's right. There's nine other shows and movies coming out (laughs) over the next few years. Plus all the Marvel stuff that's been announced too. A lot of stuff coming up early in the next year. So we'll have a lot of time to be talking about stuff as we move forward with us. So continue to join us. Those that are listening now, we appreciate it. I think we'll wrap this episode up, fellas. All right. Okay. Well, thanks again for tuning in. Again, go check us out wherever you listen to podcasts. You see us every Sunday, at least and through next Sunday, through at 1.30 p.m. Mountain, 3.30 Eastern. We're going to review the, the final episode. Keep an eye out. We're probably going to do a special episode talking about all the cool things that Disney's announced through their vendor or their investor call, the different shows and movies that they've announced. I think we're going to plan on doing something live where we'll talk about those and, and uh, what we think about those. I'm excited for it. I got really happy and was texting everybody going, hey, guys, did you see this? <laughs> yeah, right. It's crazy that we're about to talk about shit that came from an investor call. Right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Dude, I always look forward to video game companies and, yeah. and movie studios. I, their investor calls, I look forward to them every year because shit like this comes out and it makes me happy. So, uh-huh. all right, guys, thanks again for listening. Tune in next week. Keep listening to our podcast for more. And uh, we appreciate you tuning in and we'll catch you guys on the next one. 